Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird, and I got a, a great interview lined up for you today. Uh, he's a near and, and dear friend of mine. I'm honored to, to call him a friend. Um, he's a retired Army officer. He's an author, a speaker. Uh, fun fact, he, he's no stranger to the show, but a quick little fun fact about uh, about him is if you are a Iraq veteran, 2003 era, um, if you remember being downrange, we had those uh, cards, uh, the 55 most wanted cards. Um, on it. This is the man. He's, he's the the legend behind uh, the, behind that. So my good friend, Dr. Hans Mum. Hans, how are you? I'm loving life. How about you, Adam? I'm, I'm doing great. Listen, I appreciate your time. I uh, I always have a, just a, a wonderful time talking to you and a ton of respect for you, and I appreciate your friendship. I want to dive in today. First off, let's 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 mention this. You're an author, and you've written half a dozen books or so. Um, yep. And and the first time we had you on the show was was probably around the 2015. You had just written the first book, but since then you've written several others. Let's talk about those real quick. So absolutely, I'll, I'll throw those up real quick. So the, the first book was uh, coming out of Applying Complexity Leadership with Drone Aerospace Integration. That was the first one. And then uh, quickly after that, I ended up uh, doing a co-authored book on lightning growth, looking at success uh, for leaderships today. Uh, and in this one, I really looked at what is it going to take for leaders to really embrace, understand, and move technology in the way that we need to uh, because our old leadership style is not working and it continues not to be working. Uh, and then the third book that I did was uh, Unmanned Aircraft Systems in the Cyber Domain, Protecting U.S. Air Assets. And then we quickly followed that one up uh, with the second version of that book. Uh, this one's about 715 pages. Um, this was a request because these books are being used by um, Kansas State University, Ambry-Riddle, few other people to actually teach this uh, this uh, material. And then uh, the next book that ended up was uh, Counter UAV. And this one was put out earlier this year, basically late last year, early this year. Uh, we haven't uh, gone out to press too much with this one, only because of COVID. Uh, right. Because as soon as uh, we start putting these out, uh, we get requests to, to you know teach the material, help the material, uh, bring the books. And with COVID, it really uh, kind of hurts us uh, on that one. And then in between, because uh, we just didn't want to stop uh, quite yet, uh, our next book, which comes out in about 8 to 12 weeks, uh, is another co-authored book, and that is on unmanned vehicle systems operations on air, land, and sea. And that's looking at the integration as all of these different autonomous systems start to integrate. There's so many questions. Um why why is it so important hans for these unmanned aircraft and unmanned vehicles that that we're starting to see why why is that the next phase why is it so important so autonomous systems <clears throat> you're going to see not only in the military uh in the civilian world so you've seen what they can do in the military world right what we haven't seen is their true potential in the civilian world but haven't haven't we started to see like isn't it what was it uber or something like that or the delivery system somebody's using some un, like un 
uh, manned vehicles for taxi service or Uber or something like that? So we are starting to scratch the surface. And when I say we, I mean the industry, not necessarily America. Okay. Um, they, they are flying in other countries right now. Uh, they're not flying necessarily in the U.S., <clears throat> but with the air, uh, with the air vehicles themselves, you have everything from uh, passenger vehicles to being able to use them uh, for COVID. Uh, you know, uh, looking at uh, China is actually using them to uh, track some of the COVID issues that they've been having. They've also used them uh, just to be able to have a PA system in the air because not everybody in China has access to the internet or has a phone, um, especially in the Wuhan area. And so they've actually put them up in, and they're using them as the PA system to make announcements about, you know, uh, you know, wash your hands, COVID issues that they're going on and everything else. They're actually using it as a way to be able to get information out to their citizens, uh, the air vehicles. Now that has a double-edged sword because they can also kind of spy on their citizens at the same time. Yeah. But you know, we are dealing with a, a communist country that has the right to do that under their communist laws. So do you see something like that transferring into the United States? I mean, you know, I've, you and I have talked on uh, offline about this. We are so far behind in the technology uh, side of things when when it comes to this stuff. You know, just how far behind are we? So to give you an idea, uh, when you're looking at the air vehicles, yes, we will actually use them. And we have used them in the U.S. when it comes to uh, COVID issues, when it comes to uh, the riots, when it comes to the protest issues. Uh, we're using these things already. Um, they're just with the use and permission of the FAA. Um, but when you start to talk about, you know, where are we in the world? Are we number one? No, not even close. Uh, the first drone port in the world was Rwanda, Africa, not Dallas, Texas. Uh, when you start to look at, at uh, R- yes, Rwanda, Rwanda, Africa, and it's actually operating extremely well. Um, they have some very interesting aircraft that are flying there, including some aircraft that basically fly without human intervention. So they end up getting their instructions on the packages they deliver. So they're actually delivering things like plasma and other things. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the things that they're finding uh, that they need to be able to deliver is international paperwork. So if you have... Um, if you have bills of lading or if you have international paperwork, a lot of that still actually has to have a physical wet signature on it. Okay. Well, if you are going to send a courier from your law office on you know, some vehicle and try to send them out to the ship in order to, to move that paperwork, when you're dealing in a country that may not be uh, quite secure <laughs> – such as Rwanda, Africa, um, your courier will probably lose his little moped along the way. Right. So what they're finding is, is if they actually use UAVs, then they don't have that problem. Um, it's faster, it's easier, it's more secure. And the way that the UAVs are actually functioning is, is uh, that they actually have the ability to recharge themselves, do inductive charging. Um, and I'll, I'll show you a quick example that, that they just take a base quadrotor and they can put an inductive charger on the bottom, just the same way as your cell phone has an inductive charger where it just sits on a pad. So they just land, uh, inductively charge, they get their new instructions. And usually there's just some sort of a pod that connects to it. 
it flies away, it does its business, it comes back, and it recharges it and gets ready for its next mission. All right, so now, now I got another question with, with, with from the drone side. This is amazing. So I'm I'm assuming that the the, the the drones themselves have to have some type of flight plan then embedded into the system prior to takeoff. Correct. So they get instructions. They can get in instructions basically from uh, the inductive pad as it's being charged. It can get instructions so like, on waypoints or GPS or certain okay. other things. So keep in mind that uh, the GPS system uh, here in our country is um, not that great at the moment. Uh, it's have it's having some challenges. But what you can do is you can change out your um, your GPS uh, chips, which is what I did with uh, mine. And uh, this is an American GPS uh, chip, which basically uh, only uh, looks at the American GPS signals. Well, when I was working on an experiment with my uh, drone, I found that I couldn't do what I wanted to do because I had too much GPS drift. The GPSs uh, weren't really working the way that they should. So what I did was I changed the chip out and now I get uh, Glasnost, which is the Russian satellites. And then I can also pick up the Chinese satellites. So when you're overseas, you're not really dealing in uh, US GPS, you're dealing in multiple country GPS. So your, your signals are a lot more precise in a lot of ways. So being able to, uh, to do exactly what Rwanda is doing is not out of the question when you are tying multiple countries' technologies together. Uh, is there a, a fear that using this type of technology, you, know, you mentioned earlier that, that you know, China, as an example, very, being successful in, in, their, in their trials and stuff like that, you know, using it as a, for announcements and whatnot, but at the same time, based off of their laws – can spy on their people. Mm -hmm. Some would say that as we bring that technology into the United States, is that something given, you know, a government's history and whatnot, is, is there a potential that that could possibly happen? And not to say, you know, most people nowadays, we have these and, and we've been, you know, if they wanted to listen to you, they, they could, but it, it, is that something that we're talking about now uh, bringing into fruition here in the next couple of years here in the U.S.? So privacy sort of started to die with the satellite um, when you had no idea that anybody was watching you anyway. Right. So privacy rights have slowly started to die over the years anyway. Um, and I think that they will continue to sort of wither. Um, we will get a little bit of, of our privacy rights um when we're looking at medical or other things but when you're looking at you know uh, purchases online i mean all of that information is for sale right um so i think that trying to fight for privacy i think we're what we're trying to do is 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 fight for a wall like where where does it stop but we're not really fighting for privacy rights anymore because mm -hmm. privacy is kind of gone That's a good point but if you look at the idea of, of <clears throat> you know what other systems, what other autonomous systems are out there that are already interacting with us? Um, and if you don't mind, I can actually share a screen. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that is out there, which is really interesting, and oh, it says that I can't share yet. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that's out there is a, a interesting robot called Moxie. And it's basically, they call it a revolution in child development. 
Um, and when you look at the idea of, of Moxie, uh, Moxie is a robot that basically teaches your kid. Now, wouldn't that have been really helpful to have before COVID? Yes. However, uh, one of the challenges that Moxie and other people are having is, is at what point um, does privacy come into play? So when you look at, at some of the other technologies that are out there, um, you know, Russia actually has uh, a humanoid that they sent up into space. So Russia has already sent up uh, a humanoid robot into space. Has America done that? No. No. Does America have one? No. Uh, but this gives you an idea as to sort of how far behind we are when you look at this. So this was September of uh, 2019. This was last year that they did this. Understanding the safety requirements for space and sending an unmanned rocket up with a robot on it to then work within the International Space Station and then go home was pretty incredible. Amazingly enough, we didn't hear about much of it here in the U.S. Uh, you and know, and, we and why, about, why is that? Um, I think we're more interested in Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I don't know that we're really, I don't know that we're really interested in Russian robots. But uh, Russia has already looked at. Uh, here's their next version. So they're already moving forward. So they already successfully uh, have done it, and now they're planning for the next. So when you look at these uh, these different technologies that are out there, you start to look at, at things like you know Uber. Right. Okay, Uber starts to talk about, you know, the self-driving vehicle. But why aren't they here? Well, again, had we have moved on these technologies 10, 15, 20 years ago when many of us in the industry uh, were begging people to move on these things and they wouldn't move on the technologies, if you had this technology during COVID, think about what would have happened. Commerce wouldn't have stopped the way it did, because when you got into a taxi, it's an unmanned taxi. It brings you where you're going. And when it stops, it simply disinfects itself. Right. It has a blue light or a disinfecting mechanism. It disinfects itself and then goes and picks up another passenger. It would have literally changed how COVID was dealt with. Had we have actually had this uh, this type of technology and you're thinking, well, OK, so so what does that mean? Interestingly enough, Mercedes already has yeah. on the open market. You can go and purchase right now yeah. a vehicle in Germany, not here in the U.S., in Germany, that is already rated to 37 miles an hour on its own. And we are so far behind that Germany already has a Department of Motor Vehicles and a Department of Autonomous Vehicles. We haven't even figured out what to do yet. Why, we have why is all that? of our independent states. Are we are, are we just being secret about it, or is this something that we're just that, that it's <clears throat> it's just not on the radar for us? Part of the challenge is is or is it money? Or is it is it people fighting over who's going to come up with it? And I'm not trying to sound political or anything like that, but is it maybe? I mean, I, I would assume that that probably has a tie in it as well. Um, part of it is really uh, how our laws are set up. So if you look at you know uh, Germany, when East-West came back together as, as uh, a unified Germany, they tried to unify their laws. 
we are uh, independent states, right. so our states can decide whether a vehicle uh, drives on the road, whether it doesn't, uh, what the safety factors are, everything else. One of the big challenges that we have here in the United States is that for some reason we refuse to understand what a, an autonomous infrastructure is. So when you look at other countries, they're starting to put sensor systems into uh, their stoplights, into their into their lights, into their signage. So uh, an autonomous vehicle can understand and get a feedback mechanism. So almost all autonomous cars work the same way. They have a radar system and they're out there looking and they basically are saying, well, I'm doing well, I haven't hit anything yet. Well, other countries are saying, you know, that's not such a good idea. How about this? How about we put a radar reflector that's 50 cents about every 200 feet, so we give a feedback loop to the autonomous vehicle to say exactly where you are and that you're doing well, or do you need to make a correction? Keep in mind that you know we had, we have over a, a million hours in a vehicle in a manned vehicle, and if that manned vehicle has an accident and it's the vehicle's fault right. and kills one human being, nobody cares. It's just, okay, it's obviously, you know, it, it's the way life is. Nothing is perfect. But we had an Uber car end up killing somebody in Arizona who, by the way, stepped out in front of that car. And it didn't matter if it was an automatic car, an autonomous car, or uh, a person in that car. There's no way you would have, in laws of physics, said that you couldn't have stopped. Right. She stepped out in front of that car. She was killed. And then they halted almost all autonomous car technology. They just said, whoa, whoa, whoa this, is, this is going too fast. Really? We're gonna let the entire world move forward and whoop us based off the idea that one person did something foolish. So let me ask you this, I go back to the question, why is it so important to have these? So not only are we looking at uh, commerce and we're looking at technology moving forward, when you start to look at the idea of the U.S. being stuck in the past and the rest of the world moving forward, it not only hurts us in the way of, of uh, civilian and commerce, it hurts us in technology and it hurts us uh, when we look at our defense. Uh, when you start to look at the idea that countries are moving towards an autonomous system in their civilian world, they could easily renegotiate those things very quickly and make them into military yeah. pieces of hardware. Uh, and that's assuming they haven't done so already. So it's not that difficult. But now if you look at if you look at the US war plans for any any country, anywhere, any you know uh, conflict, it normally looks at the idea of man and machine, you know, a uh, soldier, uh, uh, men, women fighting right. uh, a war. It has not taken into the aspect of the total uh, autonomous. So air, ground, sea, underwater, water, uh, humanoid, cyber, and exoskeleton. It has not taken into account all of these things are starting to talk to each other. They're just not doing it here in the U.S. So when we start to look at how do we fight, how do we fight these things when we can't even figure out how to use them? You, you mentioned like they're starting to talk to each other. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think you're going to know where I'm going with this. So who controls that? And, and, and who's to say that, event, like, what happens if, if, 
if the um, bot robot if if they start if 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 they if they don't start responding to commands and they start kind of is there a, like an automatic kill switch for lack of a better better so phrase this is where artificial intelligence and and quantum starts to come into play is when you're looking at what are you trying to get this thing to do you know what's the goal that's where you have to start to bake in the idea of your security to make sure that you are the only one controlling it mm. to make sure that if there is something that goes wrong, that you have the ability to either step in as a human, so optionally piloted, so optionally piloted vehicles, uh, which is really where we're going, where we're at right now in the world. Right. So even when you look at the Mercedes vehicles, they're sort of optionally piloted. So you can drive them or you can ask the vehicle to drive them, but you have the ability to take them back over. So you need to have some sort of an intervention um, uh, ability. So when we look at these things and we look at artificial intelligence, how far are we, you know, how far do we understand it? Well, right now it's sort of little more than a buzzword. We have some basic understanding, but there's too many articles out there, you know, trying to get people to believe that, you know, we have the, the artificial intelligence, we have Skynet, we have Skynet, Skynet's coming online. It's going to take over the world. Mm, think about it. <laughs> think, think about it. I, I I can't, I can't even get people to update their their phone software. And in back in the day, you couldn't get people to understand how to uh, uh, change the date and time on their VCR. Right. So, are you really introducing Skynet? Right. No. Are you slowly moving in a direction to understand uh, deep analytics on information? Yes, you are. So when you start to look at how does that play out into the autonomous world, now you can start to look at a more efficient and effective uh, manner of working, of, of moving goods and services. So I'll give you an example. The unmanned underwater vehicles are actually uh, starting to look at uh, putting bases of operation underwater. So they won't be on the surface anymore. You won't have to worry about them. They're not taking up real estate. They're not doing any of that. They will actually base the unmanned underwater vehicles underwater, and you will be able to run logistics underwater from ocean to ocean, right? From from sea to shining sea. Holy so you will you will no longer have them on your roads. So you think, well, that's interesting. Well, take it to the next step. So Toyota. As crazy as the sounds, Toyota has funded an entire city with no actual presence other than humans on the surface. So they are, are funding an entire city where all logistics, water, electricity, waste, food, everything gets carried underneath the city. Everything goes underground. And the only thing that's on top is the humans living. So, and that's Toyota. I mean, that's a car company. So there's now, a lot I'm of gonna, tunnel I'm gonna systems. Over, I'm going to take over real quick one more time. Yeah. Because here's the interesting thing with a car company. A car company is moving in a direction that could actually put it out of business. But they're moving in that direction. So here is where, again, Toyota is test flying 
an unmanned air vehicle, and this will replace your car over time. So there are companies out there in the world that are understanding that the world's moving forward. Commerce is gonna move forward, technology is gonna move forward, infrastructure is gonna move forward. So my question is, is why, why are we still repaving the exact pavement that was paved in the 1950s the exact same way with no changes, with no infrastructure updates, and with no understanding of the future? So let me ask you this. It, it, it raises a question with all of this. Going, I mean, you're talking underwater you know, bases and stuff like that, which is that's actually really cool. I think we should we should be using those to explore the sea since it's been uh, one thing that we have not done much of anyway. That's probably another show. Okay, um, so, so just read, read the next book when it comes out, you'll learn. You'll- <laughs> <laughs> just throwing a plug yes. in there. <laughs> um, and then you talk about these, tun- it sounds like there's a lot of tunnel systems, which is also another show in itself um, for, for a lot of different reasons. But you're talking about, you know, um, using it for transport and and whatnot I, I i look at that and it's like okay are we taking away jobs then from from humans uh because we're we're going more the autonomous route and if so what does that look like if, in a in a and i'm just using the u.s as an example we're short-handed on jobs right now and and you can take it as people are just lazy and wouldn't argue with you in that or they're not qualified for the right particular jobs. I wouldn't argue with that as well. But the jobs that are out there for some, the average Joe or average Jane that could go out and get a job, if those jobs are taken over by uh, an autonomous system, are we? what does that look like? Are we setting ourselves up for another problem in the future then? So I think that the... the the question has multiple different answers, but I'll try to answer it this way. First is, 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 you know, remember the, the internet was going to be the destruction of all jobs too. Right. Um, that ended up being not only not true, but creating, you know, hundreds of millions of jobs around the world. Right. So you can look at this and say, you know, do we embrace it and work towards additional, uh, industries or, do we look at it and we say, okay, at what point do jobs that can be done by a robot make more sense to be done by them instead of a human, whether it's dull, dirty, dangerous jobs, or does the market force it into place based on economics? I'll give you an example. If you look at McDonald's or anybody else Mm -hmm. out there, they took away their counters and now you use a kiosk to make your orders. Right. That was an economic decision basing going more towards the autonomous. So you will go in and order something and it will be made for you. And in some markets, uh, um, there are test marketing, actually making the burgers and making the entire things with robots without people. So when does the economics come into play? And then the other part is, is when you're looking at uh, the education, when does the education come into play? At what point does the, the government say, um, we are, we're, we're, we're not training the right people for the right thing. 
where do they step in and does that start to take away your privacy and um, your individual freedom to make a decision? The other thing we have to start looking at, whether people like it or not, is uh, um, does the autonomous world create the need for a universal income? Does it create that need to say that robots are now doing a majority of the jobs and so humans have more time for uh, luxury and play and whatever else and discover themselves or whatever they're going to do. And so do we have to look at a universal income? So those there's, there's a lot more, um, that's a lot lot more issues than most people understand when it comes to autonomous. And it's one of the reasons why some countries are moving quickly ahead in it and, and others, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out, but there's, there's issues when you look at, um, right now in Europe and in Canada, they're looking at the idea, does an autonomous system or an AI system, if it becomes self-aware, does it deserve human rights? We're, we're not even discussing that here in America, but Europe and Canada are. So how is it, again, we're, we're supposed to be so advanced and so technologically moving ahead and with all of these industries and everything else, yet we're not engaged in the leading edge conversations. Somebody else is going to make those decisions. And when they make those decisions, it may not be the best thing for America. That's scary when you put it that way, Hans. (laughs) Well, if, if, you know, right now we have, um, you know, IBM has Watson. And Watson, as an AI, claims that it is close to being uh, self-aware. We as humans say that we're on the top of the food chain because we claim to be self-aware. Now, are we? You could argue that one way or the other sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But we we claim to be on the top of the food chain because of that. If an autonomous system actually becomes what it deems as self-aware, how do you then um, delineate a human from an, a piece of AI? Um, a human is technically a battery, right? We, we make electricity, that's how we make our, our nerves and, and, and muscles move, is electricity. AI has electricity. We think, it thinks, we can take in information and make decisions based on it. It can do the same thing. There's so many things, and I'm going to go kind of conspiracy on this here, but if you're talking about giving rights to a, a robot, so to mm-hmm. speak, right, who's to say that they, you know, Pete, we have humans. We're not perfect. We're sinners. You have you have humans that are out there that are just horrible people that, that commit horrible acts of crime mm-hmm. and whatnot. If these robots think for themselves— not necessarily what you didn't say is they, they have emotion, but I mean, if if they think of something where like, I'm going to do this, that might be breaking the law for, as a human, who's to say that they can't start just taking out humans? So I'll answer. Where, 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 where do you draw the line there when you're creating that then? So first thing is, is uh, um, and, and hopefully your viewers can uh, uh, saw the, the Moxie. Um, Moxie actually has the ability to um, project certain emotions already. Cool. In China, 
they are using a very interesting AI system where they're teaching uh, people how to speak English, but they're doing it through uh, computer simulations and there's cameras within the room. And if somebody looks like they are um, disinterested or they don't understand or they're falling asleep. I've seen this. computer actually can understand the emotion based on certain things and can self-correct or correct that individual, right? Um, wake them up, try to get them engaged with a, um, a game, try to change how they're actually interacting or, or teaching them. So go to a video instead of uh, having them read something. The computer can actually make that change um, in China already. So we are working in that direction. I wouldn't say that we're even close uh, when we when we talk about human emotions because human emotions are, are difficult at best um, and they're different for you know literally every synapse uh, and you know we take in every you know all of our different senses. Uh, can change our emotion and our emotional states and everything else. We haven't gotten close to that yet. Now, when you talk about the idea of whether a robot can commit a crime, so keep in mind that Sophia uh, was the robot that was given, um, it was given rights uh, and voting rights. It was given citizenship in Saudi Arabia about three years ago. Right, yep. So Sophia is still around. And she continues to learn, and they're moving towards sort of Sophia 2.0, uh, where they're going. But Sophia was only given uh, a small amount of information compared to what she could have been programmed with. But when we start to look at laws, um, we start to have to look at things like ethics. So in, uh, um, <clears throat> in one of the, uh, the second version of the unmanned aircraft, I actually did a, um, a chapter on ethics in here, looking at the idea of how do we start to determine ethics when it comes to unmanned systems. So if you look at an Uber car driving down the road, um, a boy runs out in front chasing his ball and his dog runs behind him. What should the unmanned Uber car do? Should we tell it that all human life is absolutely must be, uh, 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 you know, sanctions. So it cannot hit the human no matter what. So it must avoid the human. Does that mean that it then can hit the dog? Well, I don't think PETA is going to go with that. Right. So let's try again. And then if it says I must all life, regardless whether it's a, a, an animal or a human, life must be preserved and it swerves off and hits a tree. Wait a minute, I said this was an Uber. What if there's a passenger in the back? Why is the passenger's life less than others' lives? So when you start to look at you know, uh, um, giving it the ability to understand laws and rules and everything else, now you're into an ethical dilemma, which we are struggling to have people understand ethics forget about computer <laughs> it, it's, it's everything that's going on right now Hans, is, is absolutely amazing it, it's it's mind-blowing and, and and it's it's almost it's scary not so much in a i wouldn't say in a, a 
bad way. It's scary that the U.S. is so far behind uh, when it comes to this stuff. And, and, and you always look at us as like the powerhouse nation that, that kind of led in, in a lot of this. And, and, and we don't hear about it. You know, you're not seeing this stuff in news coverages. It's not front page news. It's, it's uh, you know, th- th- there's could be a thousand different reasons that you and I could go into for, for that. Well, but, you know. Well, the, the sort of the, the scarier part is, is that it is front. Uh, and I'm going to jump on shared screen again real quick. Uh, <clears throat> it is front page news in the rest of the world. Right. Well, and that's just so, it. So here's, you know, the Mexican cartel is now using explosive right. packed drones I saw uh, as one. a new brand of warfare. Yep. Um, so there are people that are using these things in a nefarious way. And so uh, and then when you start to look at, wait a minute, the Auto X, uh, this just opened in, in 2020, um, just about what six weeks ago. Um, and and what opened the show in Shanghai was actually a robot taxi. And so it is happening around the world, around the world, but we're not seeing it here in the U S we're not not hearing a lot of it here in the U S and even U S companies, uh, you know, they're working a lot more overseas, uh, than they are here. You're just starting to hear about, uh, Amazon trying to figure out the delivery system here in the U S here. You're starting to hear about these other things, but what we're not hearing is, is what's the integration. So if you want to take one for one and you want to say, okay, we're just going to deal with the air vehicle right now. You've you're going to have lost. to, you're going to have to rewrite laws and stuff like that. FAA, yeah. how, uh, how, how high they can fly there. I mean, there's a lot of things <clears throat> that go into that. Well, and you've already lost because the air vehicle is going to talk to ground vehicles. So right now uh, you have uh, Domino's pizza yeah. is already operating a ground vehicle in Florida. It's uh, it's actually operating quite well in a very small uh, area. They have requested the ability to start flying pizzas. Well, when that occurred, I chatted with some of the folks and I said, okay, but if you have a flying vehicle and a ground vehicle, they're going to talk to each other at some point because somebody's going to forget to put in the you know the soda. Uh, uh, for the order and the, the, you know, ground vehicle is going to go and chase the air vehicle with the soda, right? right? To make sure that the customer gets their full order. So at some point they're going to talk to each other. So I made some calls and I said, well, wait a minute. If the air vehicle talks to the ground vehicle and the ground vehicle talks to the air vehicle, who's in charge? Who is in charge? Well, amazingly enough, when I talked to DOT Ground, they said, well, we're in charge, of course, because we started the experiment with uh, with uh, um, the, the folks at Domino's. And amazingly enough, when I talked to folks at the FAA, they said, no, no, we're in charge because we're the flying thing. We are the, the we are the most dangerous uh, part in this whole thing. So nobody knows. And so, you know, when I was when I was in government, I left the government uh, with a couple of different uh, white papers. Uh, uh, attempting to sort of move them in a direction. One of them was you need an office of autonomous systems. You have got to get somebody in control of this. There are too many autonomous systems out there and the average person can go out and buy them. You and I can go out and buy air vehicles and ground vehicles right now. We can tag them together and we can go to fun things, interesting things or nefarious things. Right. And nobody is in charge of any of this. You know, this office says, go talk to that office. You know, what, you know, what law enforcement official has been 
trained on how to deal with an air vehicle talking to a ground vehicle going and stealing things from a location. None. Right. None, not one. So e- even if you look at the air vehicles, show me uh, you know a law enforcement official that has been trained with the proper equipment and with the proper laws backing him to be able to deal with an air vehicle that you know is is over somebody's house you know taking pictures of you know their daughter or sunbathing which is why uh, the gentleman in uh, uh, Kentucky shot the uh, um, aircraft down a couple of years ago. Um, we're we're just not keeping up very well, and when we don't keep up very well, not only we need the uh, the autonomous office, but we need the autonomous infrastructure to be able to start to control and understand what's going on and move forward within the world. You know, if you look on uh, on the news, the average person thinks that we're doing great. They think, oh, well, we have we have smart cities. And eh, stop, stop, time out, wait. No, a smart city talks about the idea that you have internet connection. <laughs> a smart city talks about the idea that you have uh, uh, IoT, you have internet of things, that your refrigerator talks to your doorbell. It does not have the ability to have a, a you know an autonomous infrastructure. Scary. It, it, it's very. Um, we're up on when, when we have we have what what we used to look at as as sort of of you know a, a second and third tier countries that are literally leapfrogging where we you know where we are. Right. And, and yeah, that's it's. If you, if, when, if, you start to, when you start to look at the military equipment and, and you start to look at the idea that that, you know, we spend, you know, billions of dollars right. trying to, to build military equipment where they can go and take a couple hundred dollar civilian toy and basically make it do almost the same thing as our billion dollar piece of equipment. Uh, all right. Um yeah, no, it, you know, it's it's it, to think that you can turn it, take a a, a toy, if go to the toy store, and, and and you know, buy a drone at, at I won't say any of the stores, but you buy a drone and then turn it into you know, like you said, the cartels. And let me let me back up real quick, folks. You're online listening to this show. Go to hansmom.com and you can see the articles uh, on his website, and you can also see the books that he has written. Uh, as well, I've been meaning to say that for the last uh, almost forty plus minutes. When I wanted wanted to get make sure we got uh, your website in there, and we'll have this up on uh, on our social media links and whatnot. And if you're not looking at AI, if you're not looking at, at the drones, you, you read these articles; they're very interesting. And and I would encourage you to follow Hans on LinkedIn, uh, as oftentimes he puts his articles up there uh, and his website uh, as well. Hans, we're up on time right now, but I want to have you back on because I know where there, there's a counter side to to this that we we did not get into that I'm I'm very interested in, in, in talking about. So there'll there'll be a, a round two uh, on this topic. But before we let you go, uh, any closing words? I think that we live in in interesting times. We we can't look at things in a negative light. We need to look the, look at them. In, in you know the positivity for what the technology can do for us. Um, obviously, technology can be used for good or evil. Uh, it's really up to the policymakers and the leaders uh, to you know to steer that in the correct direction. I love it, 
hansmum.com. Make sure you check it out. Before we let you go, big shout out to our parent network, Heroes Media Group. Go over there, check out all the articles and new shows uh, on the network. Simply go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.